Gracious Heavenly Father, we, we do come joyfully before you. Father, we, we thank you for your kindness and your goodness to us. We thank you for your word. Father, it is, it is my prayer that today we would grow in our knowledge of Christ, that we would be encouraged by your word, that we would be we would be focused on your truth, your kingdom, your protection, your provision. Father, your goodness to us. We pray all these things in Christ's name. Amen. Good morning, Grace Fellowship Church. Today is a very special day. It is the Lord's Day. It is the day that we gather together to celebrate and remember the birth of Jesus Christ. It is the day that we gather together to remember and celebrate the, the sinless life of Jesus Christ. It is today that we gather and we celebrate and remember Christ, God the Son's sacrificial, propitiatory, atoning death on the cross. It is today is the day that we gather. It's a special day. We gather today to, to celebrate Christ's resurrection from the dead. Uh, we, we gather to celebrate and remember today that Christ, after He rose from the dead, He then ascended. And He now sits on high at the right hand of the Father, ruling and reigning in the hearts of His people and, and, and advocating for us always. This is a great day of celebration. God has called us 52 times a year to specially come together to remember these things. This also is the last day of the year of our Lord, 2023. 2023 A.D. And children, don't ever believe lies like C.E. The world around us wants to say 2023 C.E. Current era. No, no, it's A.D. Anno Domini. The year of our Lord. Our very calendars, our very lives, our, our the very the very days of the, the, the days of the year and the years are based upon Christ Jesus. Twenty twenty three A.D. Tomorrow is the first day of twenty twenty four A.D. And really, honestly, tomorrow will be not much different than today. It'll be another day. But in our lives, we we think about in years and calendars and such. And my encouragement. To us, as tomorrow is a new year in the way we keep time, a new year in the Lord, the year of the Lord 2024, that we would grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, that we do all things to the glory of God, and that we would love Christ and love His people, and that we would remember Christ is coming back. And we do not know when, you will come like a thief in the night. Be ready. Be ready, brothers and sisters. And those who have yet to confess Christ, today is the day of salvation. And you aren't ready. You aren't ready to die. And you're not ready for the Lord's return. Unless and until you have your faith in Jesus Christ. So today is the day of salvation. Tomorrow is the day of salvation. Tomorrow is the day. Today is the day we grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Today is the day we celebrate. 
We celebrate in a special way. On this Lord's Day. All of those things about King Jesus. God the Son. Open your Bibles to Luke chapter 13. We'll be in verses 18 through 21 today. We're going to see encouraging parables about the kingdom of God. So if you would stand, I will read those verses. Luke chapter 13. Beginning in verse 18. He said, therefore... What is the kingdom of God like? And to what shall I compare it? It is like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his garden, and it grew and became a tree, and the birds of the air made nests in its branches. And again he said, To what shall I compare the kingdom of God? It is like leaven that a woman took and hid in three measures of flour until it was all leavened. You may be seated. When we uh, look at the world around us, we see a lot of darkness. We, we see the way the spirit of the age is seemingly having his way in this country and on the planet even. We look and see what appears to be a Romans 1 culture that we live in. We, we look and see how many of our Children, our family, and our friends have yet to believe on Christ. How many have yet to put their faith and trust in Christ? And we, we look and see the, the seemingly small influence that we as Christians have in this world around us. And we become very discouraged at times, I think. We see, we see the gospel seems to have so little impact. We see that Brother Tony is out regularly on the streets of Davenport and, and we all regularly have conversations. Many of you regularly having conversations with your children and your loved ones. And yet, we haven't had much success in seeing people come to know Christ. We've only seen two baptisms this year in our church. I've been pastoring for 15 years. We have 39, about to be 40 members of this church. We've had, I don't know, I haven't counted, probably as many leave as as many are here. We see our own sinfulness and the sinfulness of the brethren. And we see there's sometimes chaos in our homes. And we can become <clears throat> discouraged. And I think that this, today's passage, today's message, uh, ought to be very encouraging to us. It should encourage as much as I think it, it must have encouraged the few that were following Christ, true disciples of Christ that were in the listening of these parables. Verse 18, He said, therefore, He said, therefore, well, what's therefore do? It harkens us back to something that was before. So, what, what is the setting of where we are in the, book, the Gospel of Luke? Well, the immediate context, he's, we're in a synagogue. 
He's teaching in a synagogue on a Sabbath. He's he, he heals a woman who is bent over and decrepit and has a bent back for 18 years. He heals her only to have the ruler of the synagogue and those in the synagogue to be angry that he would so dare to heal this woman on the Sabbath. So the rejection of what he's doing right there in the immediate context. And just prior to that, remember, he's been, he's been speaking to tens of thousands of people. He's been traveling throughout Galilee and now into Judea for two and a half years. He's been healing, healing sick people, raising people from the dead, feeding 20,000 plus out of five loaves and two fish. He's calmed the storms. He's, he's continued to preach this kingdom. And, and, and here they are in this immediate context with very few disciples. This, this meta view they have. What were they expecting for the Jews? The Jews were expecting a king. Yes, a king in the line of David. Yes, a king that was going to come and make Israel great again. A king that was going to bring Israel back as a nation to a powerful nation on this earth. That's what they were looking for. And that ain't happening. It's not happening. Right before their eyes, it's not happening. And they're discouraged, I'm sure. And they're confused, I'm sure. Three years in, and only this little, tiny group of followers, no kingdom being built. The Romans certainly not accepting him as king. His own people, the leaders of his own people not accepting him as king. Nobody getting behind him to go fight this war to remove the oppression of the Romans and to to make an Israel a great nation. I'm guessing they're very discouraged. They act discouraged if, as we go through and you understand the Gospels, right? That, that, that they're confused. When's your king? In Acts, after he, right before he ascends, hey, when's your kingdom going to come? Where is it? And, and the masses are probably quite confused by this guy who claims to be a king. They like the stuff he does. They don't really like the message that he preaches. And so he said, therefore, in this setting, in this context, in this, this moment, he says, what is the kingdom of God like? And to what shall I compare it? Jesus talks about the kingdom of God. Because again, they have a wrong view of the kingdom. They don't understand. He says, <laughs> remember, they, they had this expectation of a temporal kingdom. These Jews did. They were looking for again that that king that would come and free them from the oppression of the Romans. So, So, we ought to consider as he's teaching into this, what is the kingdom of God? What is he talking about? What, what is the kingdom of God? So, when was the kingdom of God inaugurated? When did the kingdom of God begin? Matthew 3, 1. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Remember, we see kingdom of heaven in John's gospel or Matthew's gospel. It's it's parallel to the kingdom of God. Jesus uses the two interchangeably in Matthew's gospel. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. 
For this is he who was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah when he said, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. So John the Baptist was the promised prophet that, 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 that was coming to say, Here is the kingdom of God. It's at hand. It's coming. And then Jesus, Matthew 4.17. From that time, Jesus began to preach saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Jesus is, Jesus is saying, You need to repent, because for the kingdom of God is here. Jesus Christ being the entryway and the representation and the manifestation of the kingdom of God. It's here. The kingdom, Jesus, the kingdom of God incarnate. The, the, the earthly, the, 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 I'm sorry, the entry point into God's kingdom. He is the salvation of God and here He is. Luke 16, 16. The law and the prophets were until John, John the Baptist. Since then, since John the Baptist, since John the Baptist came and said and proclaimed, the good news of the kingdom of God is preached and everyone forces his way into it. The kingdom of God has been preached since the arrival of God the Son, the Messiah, the beginning of God's kingdom, the kingdom of God began, was inaugurated, if you will, when Jesus, Jehovah saves, Jesus, His name, Jehovah saves, the salvation of God, Christ, the anointed one, the Messiah, appeared. He came to save sinners, and that was when the kingdom of God was inaugurated. The kingdom of God began with Jesus' life, his, his death, His resurrection, His ascension. There will be a future kingdom of God that will be forever and ever. That will be on a new heavens and new earth. It began when Christ came. So people are entering into this kingdom of God that will be futuristically Him ruling and reigning with no more sin, no more sorrow, no more Satan. But And it started then. And then, and then this kingdom of God, remember, they were looking for a temporal kingdom. They were looking for an earthly king. They were looking for earthly salvation from the oppression. Yes? This kingdom of God is a present reality that began with Jesus. It's a present reality in this sense. Luke eleven twelve. But if it is by the finger of God that I cast out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Jesus says the kingdom of God is here. And I, Jesus, am God, and I am bringing His kingdom. It's here. The kingdom of God is here. And again, not in any immediate temporal sense. Colossians 1.12 Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son. We believers are currently in the kingdom of God. 
we are already, if you will, in this future reality. We are already in God's kingdom forever. He is ruling and reigning in our hearts. He is our king. He is our confessed Lord. And he is ruling and reigning in our hearts. And we are in the kingdom of God. Now the kingdom of God, again, it's, it's of an eternal nature. It's the nature of the kingdom of God. What is it? Look at Daniel 4. This is when we see the nature of God's kingdom described. One of the places. King Nebuchadnezzar. Remember, Nebuchadnezzar was the king of the Babylonians. To all peoples, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth, peace be multiplied to you. It has seemed good to me to show the signs and wonders that the Most High God has done for me. How great are His signs! How mighty His wonders! His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. And His dominion endures from generation to generation. God's kingdom is everlasting. God's kingdom is eternal. God's kingdom is not temporary or temporal. Entry into His kingdom is entry into eternal life. Into His kingdom. God's kingdom is not of this world. Daniel 6, 26. I make a decree that in all my royal dominion people are to tremble and fear before the God of Daniel. For He is the living God, enduring forever. His kingdom shall never be destroyed, and His dominion shall be to, shall be to the end. Any kingdom that is created here on the earth will end. Any kingdom that's created on this earth will end. God's kingdom will never be destroyed. So, this earth will burn up and all that's on it. God's kingdom won't be destroyed. Any kingdom on this earth will be destroyed. His kingdom is forever. It's eternal. He will have dominion in His kingdom now and forever. The kingdom of God is only for those that, that He rules and reigns in their hearts. John 3.3 3. Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. No one can see the kingdom of God that is not born again. No one in here who is not a believer can see the kingdom of God. Born from above. The kingdom of God is not to be seen here and now. The kingdom of God is only for those who are born again. So we can see, if you will, the kingdom of God as He's given us this kingdom as we just saw in Luke 12. But we can't see it here. We can, we can see it here. Jesus telling Pilate in response to his question, Are you the king of the Jews? John 18.36, Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting. 
that I might not be delivered over to the Jews. But my kingdom is not from the world. The kingdom of God is not of this world nor from this world. The nature of the kingdom of God is not temporal. It is eternal. This is the kingdom of God. Jesus had no interest in taking dominion on the planet. Nor did his disciples or apostles. No take, no being king of this temporal planet. No New Testament local assembly is to take over the world and try to make it God's kingdom. 1 Corinthians 15.50 I tell you this, brothers, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Where is the kingdom of God? It's elsewhere that can't be found here. Flesh and blood cannot inherit it. We inherit something eternal, yes? That's the kingdom God's given us, yes? He hasn't given us this earth. No flesh and blood can inherit the kingdom of God. Romans 14, 7. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Not a matter of earthly issues. The kingdom of God is about righteousness and power and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. The kingdom of God is about the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Now, there are earthly realities of those who are in the kingdom of God. 1 Thessalonians 2, 12. We exhorted each one of you and encouraged you and charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God, who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. When one is in the eternal kingdom of God, we are to live differently. We are to live in a manner consistent with your heart change. So because we're in the kingdom of God, we will live differently in the world around us. Because we're in the kingdom of God. He doesn't take us out of this world. We're in the world. But we are not to have fellowship with the world. We're to be separate from it. Second Thessalonians 1.5 This is the evidence of the righteous judgment of God, that you may be considered worthy of the kingdom of God, for which you are also suffering. You are to, you are to live... And be considered worthy of the kingdom of God. When you're brought in the kingdom of God, you are, you're going to live differently. You're going to suffer. This is, this is what it means to be in the kingdom of God in this current world. There's going to be suffering that's going to come. The nature of the kingdom of God. That was inaugurated when Jesus, Jehovah saves Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one. When it was inaugurated in him, it is eternal. The kingdom of God is a future reality that will fully come when Jesus returns. Until then, the kingdom of God is only in the hearts of his people. That's where the kingdom of God is. We've said this many years, many times. It's right there. It's right there. It's right there. There's the kingdom of God. It's not out there. Who's the prince of the power of the air? The devil. 
Who do, who do all of His children listen to? Him. Who are anyone in power that isn't a Christian listening to? The devil. What would change that? The gospel that would bring salvation into their lives and then they could listen to God. Be, be, be obedient to Christ's commands. So, now back to today's passage. He said, therefore, what is the kingdom of God like? Remember, they think what's going on, we've got this little tiny group of people, these tens of thousands are rejecting, our religious leaders are rejecting, nobody seems to be lining up behind this guy who's calling himself a king. So, what should I like in the kingdom of God too? What shall I compare it? Remember, he's telling you those who are looking for it right now. Looking for it when there's just this little tiny group and they don't understand. So he tells the parable of the mustard seed. How, how, can, I make, how can I make you understand why it seems like the kingdom isn't here yet when, when I said... The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent. The kingdom of God is here. How can I make you understand that it's here even though it sure doesn't look like it? What is the kingdom of God like? And to what shall I compare it? It is like a grain of a mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his garden and grew and became a tree and the birds of the air made nests in its branches. Mustard seed. So the mustard seed is a tiny, tiny seed. Uh, very small. Matter of fact, the only smaller seed I think I read was a tobacco seed, and that wasn't even around in the times of Jesus. So that was the tiniest seed. And it was also just a, a colloquialism. It was, it was something they would have all understood. A, a must, tiny mustard seed, they understood the smallness of it. Okay, so, so he's telling them, a the kingdom of God is like... A tiny mustard seed. Like you 11 to 100, whatever it is that's following me right now. Kind of like that. Little tiny group. Amongst all of these tens of thousands of people. The kingdom of God here is like a tiny mustard seed. It's very small. But it's the kingdom of God. Yeah, I know it doesn't look like it. But let me explain this to you is what Jesus is telling them. And this tiny mustard seed, which they would have understood, grows into a big mustard bush or mustard tree. 25 feet wide, maybe 25 feet tall. This little tiny seed becomes this fairly large tree. This little tiny group of people is going to come a, become a really big tree. Don't be discouraged. I know it doesn't look like the kingdom here, but let me tell you what the kingdom of God really is like. It's like this little tiny mustard seed. See, I know when we were in Galilee, I know we had these thousands of people following us in John 6, and, and, and I know when the teaching got too tough, they all left. And I know the only ones who were left were you and 12. And one of you is actually the son of the devil. He's a devil. So actually there's only 11 of you. These thousands of people no longer following. And here you 11 are. 12 by sight. But I'm telling you, one of you is a son of the devil. John 6, right? 
This is, this is, this is the group that's sitting here listening to him. Not understanding why if you're the king is the kingdom so small. Cause it's like a mustard seed. It's tiny. It's tiny, but it's gonna grow into a huge tree. So you've got these, these 11 disciples of Jesus standing among these tens of thousands of followers, the, the, the aklas, the crowds. You've got them in a synagogue with a synagogue full of Jews. You've got all of them rejecting the healing on the Sabbath, rejecting God Himself, healing this woman, telling them about the true kingdom of God, letting them know they're, they're out. Their rules won't get, aren't, aren't making them right with God. Their genealogy is not making them right with God. And they're rejecting Him. Again, the numbers are, we don't know. I mean, there's probably somewhere between 3 and 7 million people in Israel. He's been going all throughout Galilee. 3 million people, 2 million people. He's been going all throughout Galilee to all those synagogues. Remember those 250-some synagogues? That's what he's been doing for the last two and a half years. He's been doing miracles and attracting great crowds. And out of all of that, you've got this tiny little group of people. In Acts, Acts, after, after Christ, now listen, in Acts, we have Jesus Christ, remember this tiny little group of people, we have Jesus Christ who now has, who now has gone to the cross, died, been resurrected, and then ascended. And his disciples, the apostles and his followers, are to said, go, wait for the power of the Holy Spirit to come upon you. In Acts 1.15, in those days, Peter stood up among the brothers. The company of persons was in all about 120. So Christ has ascended. Now, I think here, like most places, you're counting men there. That's how they counted people. Even if it's 120 men and you, you add the 3.4 people to them. And we, we know in the book of 1 Corinthians, Paul talks about 500 brothers had seen him risen. The whole point of that is you've got 11 that turns into maybe 500. That ain't a kingdom, is it? No, it is. This is what the kingdom of God is like, he's telling them. It's this tiny mustard seed that begins to grow. And then, and then, Paul. 1 Corinthians 5, 15, I'm sorry, 3. For I delivered to you as first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that He was buried, that He was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures. He appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve. Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. Last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. So then you see Paul brought into the kingdom of God. And then you see Paul's ministry. And then you see more and more and more Christians. You see this plant, this seed growing now into this tree. This tree that you could call the church. 
God's manifestation of his goodness and his kindness and his protection and his provision, this tree being the church. Then, then at Pentecost, prior to Paul, Pentecost, you see what? 3,000 added to that number. So after Acts 1, the Holy Spirit comes upon them. They go out and they preach the gospel of Jesus Christ in tongues. They're speaking in a language that Germans understand and French people understand and everybody understands the language is being spoken. And 3,000 Jews are saved that day. So we go from 11 to 500 to 3,500. You see this thing growing? And what's happening as it's growing? They're gathering in homes. They're providing for one another's needs. They're healing each other's wounds. This protection is growing. This is what the kingdom of God is like. Be encouraged. Into this great tree. This picture of a great tree would have been very recognizable to his Jewish audience. This great tree and that the birds of the air made nests in its branches. It's an Old Testament picture. In Daniel 4, Nebuchadnezzar has a vision of his kingdom, the kingdom of Babylon, before it falls. Daniel 4.10, the visions of my head as I lay in bed were these. I saw and behold a tree in the midst of the earth and its height was great. The tree grew and became strong, and its top reached to the heaven. And it was visible to the end of the whole earth. Its leaves were beautiful, and its fruit abundant, and it was food for all. The beasts of the field found shade under it, and the birds of the heavens lived in its branches, and all flesh was fed from it. Babylon had become a great kingdom that brought protection and provision and food for all in their kingdom. There was a picture that they had of of a tree that was bringing the provision and the protection. Exodus 31, 3. Behold, Assyria was a cedar in Lebanon with beautiful branches and forest shade and its towering height, its top among the clouds. The waters nourished it. The deep made it grow tall, making its rivers flow around the place of its planting, sending forth its streams to all the trees of the field. So it towered high above all the trees of the field. Its bough grew large and its branches longed for abundant water in its shoots. All of the birds of the heavens made their nest in its boughs. Under its branches, all the beasts of the field gave birth to their young, and under its shadow lived all great nations. So the Assyrian Empire grew large. And, and it, was, it was great as well, and it gave provision and protection to its peoples in the way other kingdoms couldn't. This, this prophecy of this tree we see as a particular to a tree that God would plant. That, would, that he would make for all kinds of birds, all kinds of nations. Ezekiel 17, Thus says the Lord God, I myself will take a sprig from the lofty top of the cedar and will set it out. I'll break off from the topmost of its young twigs a tender one, and I myself will plant it on a high and lofty mountain. On the mountain height of Israel I will, plant, will I plant it, that it may bear branches and produce food and become a noble cedar, and under it will draw every kind of bird in the shade of its branches, Birds of every sort and will nest. Here's what the kingdom of God is like. It's like a little tiny seed, you little tiny group of people. 
You're going to watch this thing grow and grow and grow into this tree where all kinds of birds, all kinds of people can come there and build their nests. You don't see it yet, do you? No, we don't see it yet. It's not going to come in an earthly kingdom. Israel's not going to become this great kingdom on the earth. The kingdom of God is not like that. This tree that's being built is for those birds that would come and seek refuge under that tree or in that tree. The kingdom of God is like this seed that grows into the to the church. To this this thing that protects and provides. 2 Corinthians 1, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our afflictions, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. Paul and his companions were providing comfort to those who were in affliction in the church. The tree that grew from a seed by the gospel going forth, this seed grew into a tree so big it could protect and comfort any of the birds, all types of birds that came to nest in it. By the way, the word for nest there is kataskanao. It means to settle permanently. Permanently dwell. Galatians 6.1 Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you are spiritual, should restore him in a spirit of gentleness, keeping watch on yourself, lest you to be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. Be encouraged, you 11 to 50 to whatever people that are hearing this right now. Be taught, all of you in the synagogue who are rejecting. The kingdom of God is not like you think. Here's what the kingdom of God is like. It will grow and it will grow and it will provide a place of comfort and burden carrying for all who make their nests there. Brother John's being comforted. His burden's being carried in this tree that he's safely in. It's what the kingdom of God is like. Sister Stephanie is being comforted, provided for and cared for. Brother Corey and the Cunninghams. This is what the kingdom of God is like. This thing's going to grow up, see, and this thing's going to be this tree. It's going to be this place that, that, that anyone who comes there, comes to this tree, comes to this place from the gospel of Jesus Christ, comes to Christ, will be cared for. Acts 20.28, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God which you obtain with his own blood. It goes on to talk about protection from wolves, false teachers. Jesus is telling this story to this small group of people to encourage them and to instruct those that are rejecting. You guys have the wrong idea of the kingdom of God. Here's what the kingdom of God is like. This little group right here, this little group right here, it's going to turn into millions and millions and millions of Christians throughout the ages. That's what it's going to turn into. Maybe tribe, nation, and tongue. All different kinds of birds. Be encouraged. This mustard seed. Y'all, this, this tiny little group, what's going to happen is the gospel is going to go forth from you. 
And people will believe on Jesus. And they will come to refuge for this tree that's being built. That keeps growing larger. It'll protect you. Provide for you. And, and when, when you're attacked, when you're attacked, slandered, reviled, Pastor, you'll, you'll be protected. You'll be cared for. You'll be comforted. This is what the kingdom of God is like. It's not the forest. It's, it's not all trees. It's, it's this particular tree. This particular mustard seed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The kingdom of God entering into the hearts of people. He said, therefore, what is the kingdom of God like? And to what shall I compare it? It's like a grain of a mustard seed that man took and sowed in his garden and it grew and became a tree and the birds of the air made nests in its branches. And again, he said, to what shall I compare the kingdom of God? What is it like? It's like leaven that a woman took and hid in three measures of flour until it was all leavened. That concept of leaven in the New Testament, we, we're, well, we're aware of it. Galatians 5, 9, a little leaven leavens the whole lump. 1 Corinthians 5, your boasting is not good. Do you not know a little leaven leavens the whole lump? It says here that a little, it was like leaven that a woman took. Now, two things. One, I think it's appropriate that we see a woman does this. But second thing is the bride of Christ. We're the bride of Christ. And I think we should take something from that. Took and hid three measures of flour until it was all leavened. So these three measures of flour, so the Jewish audience would have understood this. Some of you ladies will probably understand this a little bit better because you're now sourdough bakers. But the, 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 they would take just a little bit. So this, this, this three measures of flour would be 50, 50 pounds or so of flour. It would be enough flour to make, to feed a hundred people. It's a lot. And you just put a little bit of leaven in there. And that leaven would permeate through the entire batch. And then they would pick a little piece of that off and save it for the next time they were making bread. And they would take and put it in there. And that little piece that they put in there would then grow into the whole thing. Okay, Kind of like the church. Each generation, the gospel goes forth. The leaven comes into God's people. It grows and it grows and it grows. And then a piece of that is torn off in the next generation to do the same thing. The, the, the point that's being made would be this, this little bit of leaven would spread throughout all of the bread and it would, it would affect or infect the whole thing. A small thing can make a big influence. Be encouraged, little tiny group of people listening to my voice. This little group can, can have a big influence. A little leaven, as we know from Scripture, it can, bad leaven can ruin the lump. And good leaven can enhance the lump. A lot of flour, a little leaven. 
Philippians 2.12, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Do all things without crumbling, grumbling or disputing, that you may be blameless and innocent, children of God without blemish, in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast to the word of light. So in the day of Christ, I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. We as Christians will have influence in the world we live in. The kingdom of God has an effect on the world. Be encouraged. As you go with the leaven of the gospel, this little tiny group, and as you infiltrate culture, the culture will be different. More will come to know Christ, and the culture will become different. John 17, God, as, John 17, 18, as you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. God the Son said, God the Father, as you sent me into the world, I send them into the world. Leaven to have an effect on the lump. 2 Timothy 2, 1. You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. So this this gospel, this true gospel, will, will go forth that more men will teach it faithfully, and the leaven will be will be spreading more and more and having more and more of an influence. The gospel goes forth. The church grows. The world changes. One salvation at a time. Josh and I were at lunch the other day and we had a conversation that came out of a Wednesday night a little bit deeper. Look, you cannot save bluegrass. People groups can't be saved. People are saved. But I can assure you of this, if God, if God pleases the gospel going forth into the city of Bluegrass and more people are saved, that will affect that town. It just will. Be encouraged. Don't be like the world. Be different than the world and the leaven can grow in the lump and the gospel can go forth. Matthew sixteen eighteen, And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I'll build my church, and the gates of hell should not prevail against it. Hugh Peter, on the faith that you have, this leaven of faith will spread more and more and will affect the world and will bring about salvation, and the gates of hell cannot prevail against it. Be faithful. Be encouraged. This little mustard seed... This leaven, it's going to go out and it's going to grow this tree called the church and that's going to infiltrate the world and the gospel is going to go forth and more people will be saved. Go proclaim the gospel and call people to faith in Christ. Remember, the kingdom of God is not temporal. It's eternal. That's the nature of the kingdom of God. Those in the kingdom of God will influence the culture, but only via the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
That's the only way to influence the culture is by the gospel. When I met the Bolkamas, there was something different about them. I was a Christian. I was becoming about to become the pastor of a church, but there was something different about them. That that infected me. It affected me. It caused for the leaven in me to grow. And and it made a difference in the in the world around me. Look, look around here. Kids upon kids upon kids upon kids. Hallelujah. Amen. You don't think it's growing? You see, we can hope in the gospel going forth to our many, many children around here that God might be pleased to save them. That the world around us would change and the gospel would go forth and the tree would get bigger and more people would come to it for protection and provision. All coming to the end, right? Revelation 7, 9. After this I looked and behold a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, all kinds of birds that had come to this tree from this little tiny mustard seed that y'all can't figure out. But be encouraged. It's going to be something. And it's going to culminate in this. I looked and behold a great multitude, no one can number from a nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne, before the Lamb, clothed in white robes, with palm branches in their hands. All kinds of birds are going to come to that tree. That tree, that tree that was started with Christ, that is Christ, that manifests in His church, His people. He said, therefore, what is the kingdom of God like? Again, He's with these people who are following Him. They have faith. They don't understand. They're discouraged. They're discouraged all the way to the cross. Aren't they? They're discouraged after the cross until the Spirit comes upon them and the Spirit lives in them. And they go forth and they proclaim this gospel and this this tiny little seed turns into this bunch of folks that have come to this tree that was planted with the gospel of Jesus Christ and he's encouraging them. It's like a grain of a mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his garden and grew and became a tree and the birds of the air made nests in its branches. I want to ask every one of you in here today, have you flown into that tree For provision and protection. Have you come to Christ? <clears throat> Have you turned from your sin? Have you seen yourself as a sinner with particular sins? Are you settling your case with the judge before you go? Have you settled it? Have you come to this tree of protection? Are you outside of it? I can't even imagine what Stephanie's life would look like right now outside of this tree. I can't even imagine what it would look like. Knowing Stephanie before, and I knew her before. I can't imagine what Corey's life would look like. 
as I knew him before. Well, as I knew him before, he would no way have done what he did. Have you built your nest in the tree? Life is tough. Our sin has consequences. It has ultimate consequences. But Christ died. We've talked about this before. The psalm talks about coming under the wings of a bird. Where we're under this tree where God's wrath won't touch you. You'll be safe. You won't be safe from the consequences of your sin. Temporarily. You'll be safe from the consequences of your sin eternally. And you'll have new desires. And again, he said, To what shall I compare the kingdom of God? It is like leaven that a woman took and hid in three measures of flour until it was all leavened. Are you, are you affecting our world with the gospel and how you're living and speaking? We will. This is what... Be encouraged. It doesn't look good out there, does it? We got a country that's going to hell in a handbasket. We got a manifestations of sin. We've, we're killing babies. We're, we're calling men women and women men. We got, we've got leaders who are, they hate God. Not all of our leaders. We have some leaders who hate God. It's obvious. It doesn't look good. Hey, be encouraged. The kingdom is going to continue to grow and grow and grow and grow until Christ returns. No, we're not going to take over the world because our kingdom's not of this world. But it's going to grow and grow and grow and you're going to have influence. And we ought to have influence. It ought to make a way for the gospel. And that influence might be out of jail or it might be on the streets. It might be because you're the boss at work. It could be a lot of different ways. Passing out Bibles, Bibles and Bible tracts at your mattress store. When Christ returns, the kingdom of God will be forever and ever. Total rule and reign. No more Satan. No more sin. No more pain. Nothing. Between now and then we have those things. But be encouraged. This mustard seed is growing to this tree that's still growing. This leaven is still affecting culture and it's being taken out and put in the next generation to keep being passed on. Closing thought. Brothers and sisters, these parables describing the kingdom of God ought to encourage us greatly to be reminded of how the mustard seed has become a tree that continues to grow, bringing temporary and eternal protection to those who believe into Christ. The leaven of the gospel spreads throughout the world, causing people to believe and cultures to change. This will culminate with the eternal kingdom of God and we will, all, we will be with him in glory for all eternity. If you've been discouraged... About 15 years as a pastor and only 39 members. If you've been discouraged about only two baptisms this year, remember, the leaven of the gospel goes forth. This tree keeps growing. Be faithful to call sinners to repentance. Live a life that you've... Just talking this morning to somebody. Live a life that shows those around you your dependency on Christ.
Stop making excuses for your sin and asking, acting as if you don't. Show them how weak you are outside of Christ. Give them the gospel. Give them hope. And, and, and I, there's, if measured by, look, 500. Christ's ministry produced 500. And it's grown from there. Don't be discouraged about the world around you or the lack of success of the gospel you preach. Pastor Nick prayed about my family today and I, he was reminding me of, of as he was praying and the, 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 the reach, the leaven that has come through my life to my family. My brothers and their wives and their children and my parents. And not so much to my own children. Some. And praise God, another one, Tanner, has professed faith in Christ. But look, what am I to do? That's why I asked prayer of the men's group. Then I would just be faithful to the gospel with my adult children and my grandchildren. That's what I'll do. Pastor Nick, look at the look at what's happened. Look at the leaven. Look right here. Cal, look at the leaven. Look right there. Look at what look at what he's doing. Be encouraged. Don't be discouraged because they, your family hasn't come to Christ. Be faithful. Be be that leaven. Be that light. Be that person who hopes in Christ alone and who is nothing without Him. Stop being so proud and be a little more humble. Show your dependency on Christ, the protector to heaven, this tree, and call them to faith and repentance that they may come into the tree as well and build their nests. Father, we thank You for Your Word. We thank You for, for Christ. We thank You for the salvation that is to be had in Him. God, Your, your Word is so clear. I'm thankful for the encouragement that I received this week as I prepared. I pray this would encourage us all. That we would believe and trust and remember that your kingdom is not to be measured on this earth. That your kingdom is eternal. And that our job is to preach the message that can bring salvation to souls. That's the message of the good news of Jesus Christ in whose name we pray. Amen.